All right, guys, let's open the scriptures together. And tonight, um, we're starting our series for this year. Uh, if you were here last week um, and had pancakes with us and sausage, um, I mentioned this last week. If you've been here for this on a Sunday so far, I mentioned it. But on Wednesday nights this school year, we're going to be making our way through all the parables of Jesus, all the parables that Jesus told during his life and ministry. There are around 25 of them-ish that we're going to think through. So it's going to take us both the fall semester and the spring to do it, uh, even with combining some of those parables um, that that clearly Jesus meant to go together, like the 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 pearl of great price and the, you know some of the some of those the, the hidden treasure in the field that kind of stuff. We'll combine some of those, but um, even that's going to take us all fall spring. I'm excited about this series. I hope you are too. Tonight we're not actually going to be thinking about any one of the particular parables, but but rather we're we're going to introduce this series by thinking through a passage where Jesus was asked, um, "Why do you why do you always teach in parables?" And Jesus told them, uh, "Why." Why the parables? So, um, yeah. So we're going to look in Matthew's gospel. So if you got your Bible, Matthew's gospel. This question, when they said Jesus, why do you always teach in parables? And he gives them the answer. It's actually found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to look in Matthew's account in chapter thirteen. It's his is a bit longer than than Mark and Luke. So uh, we'll look at Matthew thirteen. While you're finding that. I guess we need to be clear on what a parable is if we're going to spend a year studying them. I mean, it may be obvious to you. I don't know. Maybe it's obvious to everybody in the room what a parable is, but uh, I don't want to assume anything. So a parable is often a story. It's often a short story. Um, it's not always, not always, always a story, but most of the time a parable is a short story. One thing that it always is is it's a comparison. It is a comparison. It's, it's a, it is a, it's a type of story that will often take, at least in the kinds that, that Jesus told, it would take common, ordinary things that everybody knows, that everybody can relate to, everybody can understand, common, ordinary things, and through them, through some kind of comparison, uh, metaphor, simile, whatever, uh, compare them and to, to, to teach a deeper, more profound truth or reality. And there are all kinds of parables. And Jesus wasn't the only person that told parables. Wise people throughout the ages have told different parables. But Jesus did make a great use of parables in his teaching, and Scripture records a whole lot of them for us. And, um, and the deeper reality that Jesus was always driving at through the parables that he taught, the deeper reality that, that he was always trying to compare this to that was always around who he is, what he was coming to do, and the kingdom that he was establishing. Um, we're going to see that in our passage today where Jesus reveals to his disciples the purpose of the parables. So that's, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, the purpose of the parables. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 10 through 17. So there uh, Matthew writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, 
and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, and he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, lest, if you don't know that word, it means for, for fear that they might, see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Let's pray. Lord, this is your holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible, sufficient, clear, authoritative, and necessary word. And we, we want to, to bow ourselves, we want to bow our hearts, we want to bow our minds um, to your word and your will. And so, Lord, would you please give us eyes to see the truth in what the Lord Jesus says here? Would you please give us minds to understand it? Would you please give us hearts to embrace it, especially in light of what Jesus is saying here. She give us wills to obey it and, 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 just, and, and give ourselves to whatever it is admonishing us to do. Would you give us all ears to hear. Please give me the help that I need to teach and to teach clearly. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. So here's... I, th- I, don't, I think we're going to be able to say, I, I want to say what I want to say in this introductory lesson pretty quickly. I don't think we're going to be here terribly long. I know some of you are probably thinking you're right, but here's how I want us to think through this passage. So, just, just two points. And the first one is, is going to be built on the bookends of this passage. So, on the front end, verses 10 to 12, and on the back end, verses 16 and 17, I want us to see the gift of the parables. The gift of the parables. We'll see that in verses 10 to 12 and verses 16 and 17. So just on the bookends of this passage, the gift of the parables. Jesus is talking to his disciples in this, these sections of the passage, and he impresses in, in those verses, 10 to 12 and 16 and 17, he, he impresses on them what they have been given in understanding what these parables are teaching. And, and how prophets and righteous people of the past long to see and hear what they see and hear. All right, that's the first one. And then sandwiched between those two bookends, so verses 13 to 15, uh, Jesus emphasizes the opposite truth, which is the danger of ignoring the message. The danger of ignoring the message. That, and, and what he says, I tried to emphasize it in the way I read it, is our, they are sobering words for sure. And we honestly need to hear what he says in those verses. So just two points. And we're going to consider them quickly. And then we'll sing and, and uh, go in his grace. 
Um, yeah, I'll just, this will set the stage for really diving into the first parable next week, which will be the parable of the sower, which you also see right there in front of you. But let's begin and think first about the bookends of this passage and, and how and why Jesus emphasizes the gift of the parables. So Jesus is speaking, initially he's speaking to his disciples, uh, and they come to him with a question. Uh, and we'll come back in the, in the next point, in the second point, to see the context of this question but, and, and why they ask it in the first place. But for now, regardless of why they ask it, they ask in verse 10, if you're looking there, it says, why do you speak to them in parables? And again, we'll get to the them. Why do you speak to them in parables? We'll talk about them in just a minute in the next point. But notice when they say, why do you speak to them in parables? Notice how Jesus answers in verse 11. He answered them, to you, to you. It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And he'll, he'll eventually say in verse 13 why he's speaking to them. Well, he doesn't get first to that. He gets first to you. So the way that Jesus answers their question in verse 11 sort of disagrees with their question. They assume that he's talking in parables merely for the sake of them over there. And we'll talk about them in just a minute. But Jesus replies in verse 11 that he's not just talking to them. He says, to you it has been given, which means that Jesus has sort of dual purposes in the parables that he told. One for believers, one for unbelievers. We're going to just say it right out, out to the beginning, which, which means you know, he, he, he has a purpose in these parables for the disciples as well as for others. So, um, and, and Mark, Mark makes this, in his, his account of this same passage, he makes the distinction because Matthew just says to you and to them. The way Mark says it in, in, in Mark chapter 4, he says, Jesus says this, to you it has been, given, has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, for those outside, everything is in parables. It means everything is, they just don't get it. So both receive the parables. Both inside, the, inside, we'll try to define what that means, receive the parables, and those outside. And Jesus says here, here's our first point, but that, 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 that those on the inside, the purpose of the parables for them is so that they can receive the, 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 kingdom of, the, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. That's what he says. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. That's the purpose of the parables for, the, for followers of Christ, to give knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And what an interesting phrase that whole thing is. That's an interesting phrase just to, to meditate on for a little while. Uh, to you it has been given to know. To you it has been given to know. So whatever this knowledge is, it's a, it's a gift. I can't conjure it up. It's something that I have to receive, that I do receive. It's a gift to me. Um, so we need to think carefully about what this knowledge is, and we'll understand then why it's a gift. So what kind of knowledge is he talking about? To, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. What kind of knowledge is this? What kind of understanding is he talking about? If you think carefully, if you, if you give yourself periodically to read through the Gospels, I encourage you to do that. If you read through the Gospels carefully, you, you, you pretty quickly understand that this knowledge that Jesus must be referring to and this understanding that he's referring to is not simply 
tracking with the story. Like, so a parable is a story. Okay, I'm, I'm tracking with what he's saying. Or it's not, it's not even actually just understanding what the point of the parable is. That's not what knowing and understanding is. And that, now it may sound like, okay, if it's not that, what, it, what in the world is it? Well, I, let me try to explain why it's not just that. It's not just tracking with the story. It's not just understanding, not, not just hearing it and go, okay, I know what you just said. That's not knowing. Because think about it. The parable that appears just before our passage tonight, so in verses 1 through 9, that par- that's the parable of the sower, which we're going to study next week. But there's something unique about the parable of the sower. Do you know what that is? It's the only parable that Jesus told, which he thereafter explicitly explained what it meant. It's the only one that he told and then said, here's what I meant by that. But who, and he does that in verses 18 to 23, the parable is so explained. The only time you get that in the parables. But who did he have to explain it to? He told that parable, who does he have to explain it to? He, he explained it to the very insiders, the very disciples that he just said in verse 11 had been given knowledge to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So somehow, in verse 11, it's given to them to know, and yet it still had to be explained to them. Somehow they knew and still didn't understand. So whatever this knowing is, is not immediately understanding, because they didn't. But on the flip side of that, on the flip side, Think about what we read in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. If you want to turn over there, you can, or you can just listen. In Mark, chapter 12, Jesus tells, at the very beginning of that chapter, he tells the parable of the tenants. We will talk about the parable of the tenants early next semester. But at at the end of that parable, he tells the parable, and not even belaboring what the parable is about, this is what we're told in verse 12 of... of, um, of Mark 12. It says, and they, who were they? The, the, the unbelieving Jews. They were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people. Why did they want to arrest him? It says, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them. Like, they totally got his point. They heard the parable. They totally got it. Totally understood understood the story, understood the point. I, I know what you, and I know you were talking to me. I know you were talking about me. Yeah. So, but yet, even then, totally getting it and totally knowing you were talking about me, even then, they didn't have the knowledge that Jesus is talking about because that knowledge is not just understanding the story and understanding the point. So what is it? It is receiving it. And it's responding to it in repentance, faith, and obedience. That's what, that's, it has been given to you to know the secrets of the kingdom, the mysteries of the kingdom. So when I hear the mysteries of the kingdom, when I hear that, how does my heart respond to it? Does my heart respond in rejection? Or does my heart respond in obedience, faith, repentance? If that's how it responds, then I, I have the knowledge that Jesus is talking about. And, and that is why, coming back to Matthew 13, 11, Jesus says it the way he does. To you it has been given to know. It's been given to know because this, this knowing is repentance and faith and following. 
And I cannot do that to my own heart. I can't produce that in my own heart. Ephesians 2, 1 says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And Jesus says in Romans, I mean, Paul says in Romans 8 that the, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, that it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Why can't it? It doesn't want to. It's hostile to God. If I'm hostile to God, I don't want to submit. And as long as I don't want to, I, I can't. And I can't change my own heart. Old Testament says, can a leopard change its spots? No, it can't. What's the point? I can't change my own heart. So if I'm going to move my heart, if my heart moves from hostile to God to repentance, faith, and obedience, how does that happen? It has been given to me to know. That's what the Bible says. And another reason we know that, that this knowing is, 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 it should be understood as repentance, faith, and following is because of what the parables are about. Like, that's how you would respond to it. Jesus says, you've been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And just to say at the outset, to avoid any confusion going on down the road, Matthew likes to use the phrase kingdom of heaven. Other gospel writers say kingdom of God. Same deal. It's not like, there's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. They're not two different things. They're two different ways of talking about the same thing, okay? Um, same kingdom. But what does Jesus mean by, it's been given to you to know the secrets, of, the secrets of the kingdom. It literally says in Greek, the mysteries of the kingdom. Mysteries is the word that the Bible uses. And in the Bible, mystery means two things. One, it, or it emphasizes two things. One, to, mystery emphasizes the complete unknowability of whatever is behind the mystery. Like, I, I can't discover it. I can't know it. I love, I, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite words that the Old Testament uses often about, about God and his greatness and his, his majesty, his glory. It'll say something like, your, your glory, your majesty is un, unsearchable. What a cool word. Unsearchable. Like, you can't, it's not that you can't find it. You don't know how to look for it. You can't even search for it. Like, it, he, is, he, is, he is beyond, he is infinite, we're finite. So whatever, he, he has knowledge that we don't have. So there, if there's a mystery there, it's, if you call it mystery, if, any, if it's emphasizing anything, it's that, it's that truth right there. I can only know what he reveals. And that's the second part of a mystery. Is it, it, when the Bible talks about mystery, it's talking about something that God previously kept hidden but now he is he is unveiled and, and has revealed to us something the way that I learned it in seminary the way the little rhyme is something previously concealed now revealed that's a mystery right and uh, and, and, and and the you know that kingdom that mystery of the kingdom what, what's the what's the mystery that's now been revealed is that that kingdom centers on Jesus Christ that was sort of hidden for a long time in the Old Testament, like you had types and shadows. You had, you had types of Christ in the Garden of Eden. You had types of Christ in people of the Old Testament, in, in, in Adam himself, in Noah, in Joshua, in David. In, you know, you've got in people, you've got types of Christ in institutions like the tabernacle and the temple pointing forward to Christ, in events like the Exodus Pointing forward to Christ, but it was how, you can't clearly see him in a tabernacle. You can't clearly you don't know his name is Jesus through David. 
You don't know that much about him. You get hints that he's coming, but you don't know him. Until he gets here, he's not revealed, but now he is, right? And, 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 that, and this, all of these promises of, this, of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of heaven, they center on Jesus Christ. And he came to establish his kingdom, and he, and he did that by calling disciples to himself to be citizens of that kingdom. That's what all the parables are going to be about. Like, over and over again, we're going to be reminded of that. Matthew 13, 34. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Matthew 18, 23. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Matthew 22, 2. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Like the, the king is over and over again. Jesus told parables using common everyday things to teach us about his kingdom. And that's why I've said a couple of times already, if you've been here, the, the, the parables that Jesus told give us a window. What are, they, what are they there for for us? They give us a window into life with him. The par- the, all these parables give us a window into life with him as we follow him, life in his kingdom. They give us in story form what life in his kingdom looks like for a follower of him even as we live in the midst of a different kingdom. These parables are worth study, uh, studying because these parables, these 25-ish parables, they restory our lives. They restory our lives. What in the world does that mean? Um, our lives are constantly trying to be storied in some way. What does that mean? Without our even realizing it, Our culture, any culture, at any time, culture is constantly trying to provide a narrative to us, a narrative in which to see and understand everything that comes into our lives and how to think about it. This is is good and that's bad. How do you you come? The, The culture and music in it, TV in it, everything in it, Social media in it, everything is trying to narrate your life and say, this is good and that's bad. This is how you ought to think about that. This is how you ought to react to this. Trying to provide a story and a narrative to your life. Jesus understood the parable of story, the the power of stories. And so with the dozens of parables that he left us here in his word, he's providing us with a counter-narrative. He's providing us a counter-narrative to the cultural narratives that we're constantly swimming in. Jesus in the parable shows us life in another kingdom, a kingdom that is different than the kingdoms of this world and and, and that will outlast any kingdom of this world. These parables invite us into this kingdom to submit to this king and to find life in his name. And they teach us how to follow Christ as good citizens of his kingdom. And to see our lives in this kingdom just as pilgrims traveling through the kingdom of this world, bearing witness to him. Jesus says it's a gift to us. To know this, to understand this, to submit to this is, is, is a gift to us to see and understand this in his parables and to respond in repentance and faith in following. This is what he says in verse 16 and 17. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, did not see, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear. That's, 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 a, that's an interesting couple of verses because he, he says they're prophets and they're righteous people. So 
Even though he says of these righteous people that they did not see it and they did not hear it, I think he's still saying that they knew somehow. They knew what this was about because he says they longed to see him. They longed to see. I mean, how much, how much more should we long to follow him as these parables admonish us to do when in the scriptures we have seen and heard the full revelation of God in the sending of his son? Jesus said to those who receive what he says and follow him in repentance, he says in verse 12, if you're looking there, more will be given. More will be given, and he will have an abundance. He rewards those who come after him. But the parables have another side to them. And we'll just say this, and we'll be done for tonight. We'll have more to say when we actually get to the parables, but it's hard to, it's hard to, Jesus is so straightforward here, it's hard to just elaborate too long. Jesus doesn't mince words that there is a danger in ignoring the message that he gives in the parables. Think about that with me as we quickly consider verses 13 to 15. In these verses, Jesus actually reveals what I hinted at earlier, a secondary purpose in the parables, one that he aims at unbelievers. So when you consider this whole passage, when you consider 10 to 17, what Jesus says in this whole passage is simultaneously encouraging and sobering. Encouraging because of what we just saw, that, that what a gift the parables are to those who see and hear Jesus for who he is and understand and respond well in repentance, faith, and obedience. But sobering because of what Jesus has to say to those who don't. Look with me again at verses 13 to 15. This is why I speak to them. So, you know, they said, why, did, why do you speak to them in parables? We'll say who they are in a minute, but like, this is, okay, this is why I speak to them. Because seeing they do not see. Hearing they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is filled, it's fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear. By the way, let me just pause right here. That's coming from Isaiah chapter 6. What, if, for those of you who may be familiar with Isaiah chapter 6, what, what, what's the image of that chapter that first comes to your mind? Yeah, the throne room of God. God is high and lifted up, and the seraphim around the throne. And, and Isaiah says, woe is me. He sees the holiness of God. Woe is me, I'm unclean. I, 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 have uncle, I live in a, among an unclean people. You know, and, and, and it, you know, it, it, there's this, some people that use that to teach about the holiness of God, rightly so. And then God says, you know, who, who, who will go for me? Who, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. And people talk about that as a missionary text. Great, rightly so. But that, right after, right after Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. God says, okay, here's what you're going to find. You will indeed hear, but they, they, the, 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 the people that you go to, they will indeed hear, but never understand. Indeed see, but never perceive. The people's heart was grown dull. Their hearts they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn and I would heal them. That's what Isaiah was going to go to. Now, if you're really paying attention to what Jesus says there, quoting Isaiah, it's pretty hard 
And to really understand what Jesus says here to his disciples, we, we kind of need to get a little bit of context and background to why they're even talking about this at all. And the text itself shows us that. Because, again, let's go back to verse 10. Verse 10 begins with the word, then. Then the, par- then the disciples came to him. Then they did. Okay, so, uh, and they asked him about the peril. So this, something happened, and then this happened. So it's not happening out in a vacuum. It's not just dropping down, and we, this, is, this is all we have. No, um, it's not coming out of nowhere. Something happened, and as a result of it, Jesus started talking in parables. So what happened? What happened? Well, this is chapter 13 of Matthew. Just flip over a, a page or so to chapter 12. And just look at what, more than this happened, but at least this happened. Look at just what happened one chapter earlier before this. Jesus didn't say these things in chapter 13 because he was in a bad mood. No, they were justified because of the stuff, the kind of stuff you see in chapter 12. So in chapter 12, like we're not going to read this whole thing, but early on in the chapter, um, he deals with the Pharisees who were the Jewish leaders. He deals with them over the Sabbath laws. You know, like in the early in the chapter, his, his disciples picked heads of grain and ate them on the Sabbath, which supposedly broke some Sabbath laws. And Jesus basically says that's nonsense. And verse, verse 8, he calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. And they didn't like that. Then, right after that, he heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. He's just sticking it to him. Like, he healed a man with a withered hand. And again, the Jewish rulers, the Pharisees, came and they're accused, you broke the Sabbath again by healing a man. And Jesus says, that's nonsense. He says, hey, if, you, if any of you had one of your animals, one of your sheep or something, they fell in a pit on the Sabbath, you would save it? And are people not worth more than your sheep? That's what he says. And again, in that, he's just demonstrating that he is Lord over the Sabbath. Later on, beginning in verse 22, the, 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 the Pharisees were seeing all these miracles and healings that Jesus did, and, and they accused Jesus of doing all of these miracles in the power of Satan. That's what they said. Um, yeah, they said in verse 24, it's only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. And Jesus said, that's nonsense. Why would Satan want to destroy his own house? And he frankly tells them that if they, if they continue in this steadfast blasphemy, they're going to die in an unforgivable sin. And then beginning in verse 33, Jesus all of a sudden, not out of nowhere, tells his disciples, you can tell a, tr- a, a tree by its fruit. And he's basically saying the Pharisees are bad apples. You can tell it in their actions and in their words. They only have the appearance of godliness. It's not really there. And then... You come on down in chapter 12, that's under the sign of Jonah, beginning in verse 38, and the Pharisees are demanding more signs. And Jesus tells them there the sign of Jonah is basically a sign of his coming resurrection from the dead. And so he says, the only only sign I'm going to give you, Pharisees, is when I rise from the dead after you crucify me. But if you think about that, that's the only sign they're going to get. If you combine that with what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16 in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, Jesus says at the end of that parable, he says, he basically says that they have Moses and the prophets, and if they don't believe the scriptures, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe even if someone should rise from the dead. So the only sign they're going to get is the resurrection, and they won't even believe that. All of that is going on. And so when in chapter 13, 
Jesus says in verse 11, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. It is to the Pharisees, to those who have steadfastly refused to believe and refuse to acknowledge the lordship of Christ and submit to him and follow him. When he says in verse 12, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, it is to the steadfastly unbelieving Pharisees that he's speaking about that whatever earthly honor they may have, even that's going to be taken away from them in the end. And, and he says in verses 13 to 15, Jesus, Jesus describes them in this way, that seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Their hearts are hardened against Christ. And so the, the same, do you hear what he's saying? The same parable that is a gift to, to believers, um, hardens unbelievers further. It's what, it's, what the Puritans used to always say, the same sun that melts wax hardens clay. Right? It's the same way, it's the same way when, you, when you share the gospel with someone. You can share, the, you can share with two people back to back, and, and, and one person receives it with joy, and the next person is angered by it, right? You see that, that this reality going on. They, they, they were the ones that, that Isaiah was referring to. You will hear but not understand all that. Those are scary words because they describe, do you see what that's saying? They, with their ears, they can barely hear. Their eyes are closed, lest they should see with their eyes. And I hear them with, with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. Those are scary because they describe people who in this life are receiving a hardening judgment from the Lord as a consequence for their own stubborn hardness against Him. It'll be the same thing that we see this coming Sunday in, in the rest of Romans 1. How else do you understand Jesus, uh, the, uh, Paul saying three times, three times of those who, who refused to turn to God in repentance, that God gave them up. God, the third time, it's God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. He gave them up to that, to do what ought not to be done. He, what, did, what does that mean? He allowed them to go their own way that they chose, and they'll have nobody to blame but themselves. Because when they, when they, they heard the same parables, but where it was a gift to some, their hearts were cold and hard against him, even when they understood precisely what he was saying. But to those whose posture of heart was humble and eager to receive, repentant and desiring to follow, Jesus would be patient, would even explain the parable to them when they didn't understand fully. And that, that you know, it's not, it's not flashy, but that's what Jesus said. If you're going to come, if we're going to spend a year thinking about these parables, if we're going to spend a year, yeah, letting, letting the words of, of Jesus, when he, when he tells the parable, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to this, he's telling you this is what it's really about. And how are we going to come to that? That's the posture of heart that I want us to have toward these parables as we come into this study this school year. And... Um, and so I'm going to close there, and as the band makes their way up here, I'm going to pray with me as we 
as we ask God to give us that, that grace. Lord, I, I do pray for those of us whom you will, whom you will providentially uh, bring here week by week to study these parables. Lord, I pray, I pray that you would give, it would be given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. I pray that it would, it would be given to us to see Jesus clearly. I pray that it would be given to us to see how these, these parables will restory our lives and we will be able to see the lie of the narrative that, that, that culture is constantly trying to give to us. That we will follow hard after Jesus, follow hard in the footsteps of His kingdom. Lord, that we would, we would, we would have hearts to receive Hearts to walk in repentance and faith. Hearts to see what is important. Hearts to see what is not. Lord, I pray that Jesus would be honored in, in this series, but not just in this series, but as we hear and believe and repent and believe and repent and believe, He would be honored in our lives um, because we have truly heard what you have to teach in these parables. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.